These gifts of the Spirit are something that is wrapped up in the sovereignty of God. It cannot be demanded that a particular gift be operating in my life. The Spirit sovereignly is giving these gifts to the individual believers. And always remember that the goal of the Holy Spirit is always to glorify Jesus and to build up His nature and character in us. The goal of the Holy Spirit is never to confuse, but to make evident the fruit of the Spirit. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. Anyone is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over them, anointing them with oil. Take the time to do that after service. We'll anoint you and come as the scripture has declared for us to do. For more of us to seek the Lord in knowing that God wants to work among his people according to his will. For those of us on the prayer chain to really engage in prayer. For those who are sick and hurting and needy. Because God does work among his people. But oftentimes what happens with us and with all of us is we get so sidetracked at times, don't we? And we get busy with life, and we don't really seek the Lord, maybe in the way that we could and we should. And so that's my prayer, is that we would know that God still works among his people. God is a God of miracles. God is a God of healing. God wants to do miraculous things in our lives and in our situations and move in a powerful way, showing himself strong on our behalf where we say, God, you are working. So the gift of healings, the gift of miracles that are listed there, and then in verse 10 we move on to another prophecy, the gift of prophecy, or a word of prophecy. Now when we read that, a lot of us, we immediately think of the predicting of future events. And of course, that is prophecy. In the Bible, men were moved by the Lord to predict future events. For example, when it came to the coming of our Lord in his first coming, his first advent, In the Old Testament, there were over 300 prophecies spoken concerning of the coming of Messiah in his first coming. And as we look at Jesus' first coming, we can see, and as we look at Jesus' life and his ministry and his death and burial and resurrection, we can see that he fulfilled every one of those prophecies that were given by the Old Testament prophets. We know that there are many prophecies concerning Jesus' second coming. And we can be assured that those prophecies are going to be fulfilled, every dot and tittle. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, we read that in the past that God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So men like Moses, men like David, men like Elijah and Daniel, many other prophets, giving the word of prophecy. But I believe that prophecy is more than just the foretelling of future events. It is also foretelling the mind and the heart and the word of God to his people. And it's interesting, when you take the root word of prophecy, it has a meaning to cause to shine. So the word, uh, or that is the person with the word of prophecy or gift of prophecy, is one who stands before God's people and causes his word to shine forth. 
God's heart and mind revealed. And as speaking forth of the mind and heart of God, we see very clearly in the Old Testament in the prophetic ministries of men like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and many of those minor prophets that came along and spoke to the people. They spoke the heart and mind of God. Hey, turn away from the idols and turn back to me, the Lord says. Turn back to the true and living God who freed you from Egypt and brought you into the land. Worship him. Or if you don't, there's going to be consequences and captivity that are going to take place. They were speaking the heart and mind and words of the Lord. And so as they were called back to repentance. So prophecy, what we're going to see when we get into chapter 14, we're going to talk more specifically about this, is that it has the purpose of bringing edification and exhortation and comfort to the church. And as I mentioned to you, we'll get into that more specifically. But I do want us to understand this because I think it's important that if someone claims to have a prophetic word from the Lord, a word of prophecy, it cannot and it will not contradict what the written word of God declares to you and to me. And we need to understand that. Because there can be a lot of thus saith the Lord in a predictive utterance or speaking the heart and mind of God, they will say, and it contradicts what God's word says to you and to me. And then it's false. It's not true. In the book of Deuteronomy, we saw in chapter 18, in in verse 20, it tells us this, And if you say in your heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. And I've had people come to me over the years of ministry. Perhaps they've come to you, and they'll say in a predictive sense, Thus saith the Lord. I remember years ago somebody saying that we're going to have a blizzard, and it's going to shut down the city for a whole week and all of this. Well, the week he said that there was going to be a blizzard or the month, there was no snow at all. It was nice and warm. He wasn't speaking on behalf of the Lord. We know that there are those that will come along and make certain predictions and and speak prophetically. It doesn't come to pass. The Lord did not speak it because the Lord is going to speak that which is 100% true. But also we need to understand some other guidelines that are given to you and to me. And I think this is important in in the day in which we're living in. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, I'm going to read it to you, the first four verses of Deuteronomy chapter 13. The Lord again warning his people, giving instruction to his people. And he says this, and I'll read it to you. You can look it up later. But Deuteronomy chapter 13, if you want to turn there very quickly, you can. But I'm just going to read it to you. But listen, it says, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, keep his commandments, obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And so some more warning given to us, instructions given to you and to I concerning that who speaks on behalf of the Lord. If that prophet speaks, he gives a sign. He gives a dream. It comes to pass. But he is leading you to go after other gods. 
leading you to living in a way that is contrary to the way that God would want you to live and walking in the ways of the Lord, then that person is false. You are not to follow after them. And the reason that I'm mentioning this and emphasizing this today is because we know that ultimately there is one in the future that is going to come on the scene. The scripture calls him the Antichrist, and Paul warns the church in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He, he says concerning the, the Antichrist, and, and, and I believe that we're going to be taken out of and away from the world, that is, the Lord's going to take us home to be with himself in the rapture of the church before the tribulation period where the Antichrist is going to rise out of. But when he comes on the scene, the Antichrist, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that he is going to do according to all the workings of Satan, with all powers and signs and lying wonders, and all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So we need to be careful that if someone tells you something that is contrary to God's word, to live contrary to the way that God wants us to, pulls us away from the Lord, then you're not to listen to them. If they contradict God's word, they may show signs, be able to read your mind or what happened to you this past week, but they are false according to what Scripture tells you and me. And so we see that prophecy is a gift, but we need to be discerning. And that's the next gift that Paul talks about in verse 10 here. As he says, another gift is discerning of spirits there in verse 10. Now this gift, the discerning of spirits, is the ability to tell the difference between true and false doctrine. What is of the Holy Spirit and what is not. There may be a time where you get an uneasy feeling about a situation or a person or circumstances or what is being said. You're not really sure. You can't put your finger on it. But remember that as we talk about the gift of discernment, it is not the gift of suspicion. But there will be those times when you sense a definite uneasiness within you. And that could very well be the gift of discerning of spirits. You may be picking up on something that is not obvious to everybody else. But if you are walking in the Spirit and spiritually sensitive, you will then sense that something's not right and, and where there's deception or something is being hidden. And I have discovered something with this. Having a discerning of spirits can sometimes present a challenge in this way. That you can sense that what is being said or what is being pushed or what is being done, that something's not right, that there's danger, that there's something false, that there's something deceiving in this. And it's obvious to you, or clearly to you, or you have that discernment, then you begin to assume that everybody else is picking up on it. And that may not be true. And what I pray for all of us here at Calvary Chapel is that more and more that we would have this gift of discernment. I believe one of the practical ways that you and I can have discernment is to be grounded in God's Word. Because everything needs to be tested, the spirits, as John would say, and it's tested through the Word of God. And we're living in a day where people will get sucked into all kinds of strange stuff, strange doctrine. They'll, they'll believe things that are being said because maybe there's claims of signs and wonders or maybe it sounds so good. We know that the Scripture says, Paul would warn Timothy that 
the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, be turned away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. So we live in a day and age where not only are there many voices that are out there, and even voices that are within the church that are beginning to lead people subtly away from the Word of God. All of a sudden, we're starting to hear people say, well, do we really want to believe all the claims of the Scripture? Do we really want to believe all the claims of Jesus? You know, we need to look at things differently and stuff. And you and I, in these last days, we better be discerning in what is being said and check things out according to the Word of God. And so I find it interesting that Paul lists the gift of discerning of spirits right after the gift of prophecy. And so kind of looking at this, that we know that throughout history, God has sent his prophets to speak his word. But just as there have been true prophets and teachers, there also are false prophets and teachers that lead people astray. And Jesus said that in the last days, there would be many false prophets, teachers, Christ that would come on the scene. So that's why I'm saying to you, that it is critically important to have discernment in the days in which we're living. And if you don't, you're in danger of being deceived. It is critically important that we be grounded in the Word of God. And remember this, that Satan, he is clever. He is a clever counterfeiter. He has the ability to counterfeit and imitate almost every work of God. He is called an angel of light. And I made mention to you of Antichrist, as 2 Thessalonians tells us, when he comes on the scene, he's going to produce all kinds of supernatural signs and wonders, working of miracles, so that the whole world is going to be deceived. The book of Revelation tells us that the world turns to him and begins to worship him. And that's amazing. People with all kinds of different backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and, and religious backgrounds turning to him. So that's why, again, as I mentioned to you in 1 John chapter 4, that we are told that not to believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets, he says, has gone out into the world. And today I believe that is true. There are many false teachers and prophets that are gaining fame. And as the shepherd of this flock... I feel very strongly a certain responsibility to warn the sheep against those who are bringing false teaching and doctrines into the church. Jesus predicted it would happen. We know that it would be the apostles that would write about it. And here's the thing also that we need to understand. When somebody comes in and they're a false teacher or, or you know, promoting that which is false, they'll mix it in with, the, with truth. So you'll have truth that's mixed in with that which is deceptive, which is deceptive enough to be very dangerous. They're not going to come with a sign flashing, you know, on their foreheads, false prophet, false teacher. They're going to come and they're going to claim to be true. They're going to come along and say, what, what I am saying to you comes from God. And you and I need to be discerning. You and I need to judge. That's what chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians says concerning prophecy, that the leadership is the judge to see if it's true and to understand certain things, that we filter everything through the Word of God, and then also that we need to understand that the Spirit will come in in those times, that He will speak to our hearts to help us discern the good from the bad, the right from the wrong, the truth from the lies. And every time 
that I have been taken in by some kind of deception in times past or that which wasn't true, there's been a check in my spirit, a red flag concerning an individual, and I ignored it. Ah, oh, they're, they're fine. And how important it is that we learn to follow the leading of the Spirit because it will save us from a lot of troubles. So the gift of discerning the spirits so we can be protected and warned and we can detect and, and reject those who bring in false doctrine and teachings into the body of Christ. And I pray that the Lord will give us that kind of spirit that will enable us to discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Without, without that, we are in danger of being deceived. So as we finish these listings, verse 10, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues is a personal language, a prayer given by God, whereby the believer can communicate with God beyond the limit of understanding. The gift of interpretation, this gift allows the gift of tongue to be interpreted. It's a, a companion gift with the speaking of tongues. Now, we're going to talk more specifically about these two gifts taking place in the devotional life of a, a believer and also in the corporate gathering of believers when we get to chapter 14. But suffice it to say today, the gift of tongues, of course, is the most controversial of all of the gifts. Some people believe that the gift of tongues died with the apostles. And they will define the gift of tongues as merely the ability to speak in another language for the purpose of speaking the gospel in another language. And what we're going to see when we get to chapter 14 is that this gift, the gift of tongues, the Bible clearly says, is meant for an individual's communication with God. Now, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers in that upper room, they began to speak in tongues. They were not preaching to the crowd that had gathered. Peter later on would stand up, he would preach to the crowd in a language which, which, which was common to them all. But when those disciples were in that room, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, they were all speaking foreign languages which they had not learned naturally. And there at the Feast of Pentecost were those who had gathered, seen and hearing what was going on when the Holy Spirit came upon those believers. You've got to remember, those devout Jews came from all over the known world. And when the crowd gathered to see what was happening, they all marveled and said, Look, are these not... These who, are, who speak Galilean, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born and we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God or the praises of God? So the crowd was amazed because they had heard the disciples speaking in various dialects. These untaught Galileans, that is, were speaking the languages of the Medes, of the Persians, of different dialects from all over the known world. So although to each disciple the language that he or she was speaking was an unknown tongue, listeners in the crowd recognized it as a familiar dialect. The gift of tongues, Paul says in chapter 14 again, is a gift that edifies the individual believer. It is man speaking to God. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. And again, we'll get to that more clearly when we get into chapter 14. And so verse 11, as we finish this morning, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as his wells. So these gifts of the spirit are something that is wrapped up in the sovereignty of God. It cannot be demanded that a particular gift be operating in my life. The spirit sovereignly 
is giving these gifts to the, the individual believers. And always remember that the goal of the Holy Spirit is always to glorify Jesus and to build up his nature and character in us. The goal of the Holy Spirit is never to confuse, but to make evident the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we've taken a little bit of time to go over these different gifts because we don't want to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. But I think it's important for us to know about these things. And all of us know that the issue of the gifts of the Spirit can be something that has divided the body of Christ, spiritually, theologically. There are those who think, well, the Christians who believe that all of the gifts are for today, man, they're really weird. And they're strange and, and, and all of this, and they're taken back by it. There's Christians that think, well, those who believe that only some of the gifts are for today, they're, they're dead in their walk with God. And what I want us here at Calvary Chapel is to understand, to have a biblical balance of when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and the place in church life, in the corporate meeting, in the individual's life. And that's why we've looked at this. Now, there are those who will divide up the gifts into different categories, communicative, administrative, miraculous. And then they will say that the miraculous gifts died out with the apostles or when the New Testament came together. But when I look at Scripture, and I, I read this letter, and I read the book of Romans, I don't see those divisions. I don't see where the writers categorize these gifts in such a way and then say, well, some of the category gifts remain, but others cease. And there isn't anybody that I think that believes that all of the gifts have ceased in the church today. If they do, they believe that what we're doing is all in the flesh. I think that uh, all Christians believe that some of the gifts are operating, like the gift of teaching and administration and helps and mercy and exhortation, those listed in Romans chapter 12. And we know that they're needed in the church. But when it comes to healings, miracles, prophecy, word of knowledge, tongues, ooh, the interpretation of tongues, people get nervous and they're taken back. And we end up debating. Give you some scripture that you can jot down in Acts chapter 2. When, Paul, when there was Peter addressing the crowd there after the Holy Spirit came upon the believers there in Jerusalem. He said, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, speaking of Jesus, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. He's poured this out, the Holy Spirit, on you, which you now see and hear. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So the promise of the Holy Spirit, specifically including miraculous gifts, is a promise given, I believe, to all generations. We will see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you may seek to excel. So remember that the purpose of the spiritual gifts, even the miraculous gifts, is the building up of the body of Christ and individual Christians that, that remains, I believe, today. So the gifts of the Spirit. And here's the thing. God wants to work through you and through me and through us corporately. And it's a marvelous work that he wants to do. So when we look at the gifts of the Spirit, we should be ones that say, thank you, Lord, for these gifts. And remember, they're nothing to be confused about. They're nothing to be taken back by or scared of. But every good gift that God has is for good. 
And the Lord desires to give us. So what my prayer is, is that you would be ones that say, Lord, that I want to just see you're working in my life, operating the gifts that you desire to give to me as you will, because you are good, Lord, and you want to work. That he would work amongst this church corporately in a very powerful way that we would just see the Lord simply working to where we give praise and glory and honor to the Lord, and that we would have that biblical balance of what God has for us, and that's what I want to give to you. And you see, we don't have the spiritual gifts so we can boast in ourselves or how God is using us or point to ourselves or that there's confusion or we can be weird. We're going to see that Paul's going to say, do everything decently and in order. And he's also going to say this, I want to show you a more excellent way, and we'll get to that in a couple weeks. And he's going to talk about love. That love is supreme. And so we need to keep things in perspective. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970 970- 330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.